there was never going to be a future relationship. There was never going to be love. I was not, I was way too old to date, way too old to be of interest to anybody. We always say like, oh, I'm open to change unless it's my change, <laughs> unless I have to change and have to do something differently. You know, change is hard. It's uncomfortable. Take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Check us out online at couplesynergy.com or on Facebook and Instagram at Couple Synergy. And please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on a Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for over 20 years. You know, everyone says you should work on your relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of. With the partner they fell in love with. On today's episode, we welcome Bill Miles and Chris and Noel. They are the co-founders of Best Self Magazine and creators of the Best Self Intuitive Divorce Coaching Program. Bill is a holistic life coach and Kristen is a certified intuitive life coach. Together, they help parents in the early stages of divorce take control of the, their divorce and save time money and heartache for their family. Welcome to our podcast today, Bill and Kristen. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you very Thank much you for having us. Yeah, we just did exactly the same thing, Bill. <laughs> you know, what that's some synergy, right? There you go. Right. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Couple synergy. Exactly. <laughs> you know, we pay people every single time and say couple synergy, right? <laughs> Good. Actually, I so, didn't even realize I just said that. That is hilarious. <laughs> Do you have so, an affiliate program for that? Oh, well, <laughs> we'll talk after the show. So we want to get into, you know, the work that you guys do, because we feel it's really, really important, you know, especially in our society today, uh, divorce is a pretty common thing at this point. And so before we do that, um, why don't we get to know you a little bit, you know, how old are you and how long have you guys been together? Um, age 61 at this point. And uh, the short story is, I went through, after 21 years, a uh, pretty dramatic divorce, which was now 18 years ago. Um, that has had profound impact on me, of course, but also I had three children uh, that were young at the time. Now they are adults and it's had a profound impact on them. Uh, so it's a topic that's very near and dear to my heart um, because so many people, so many parents, and consequently children, uh, endure a lot of unnecessary suffering in the process. So that's what, where, that's sort of the genesis of this program. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Kristen? Yeah. Um, I'm Kristen Noel, um, and I can't believe I'm going to reveal this to you, but I'm 57 <laughs> years old. I just, <laughs> like, wow, that's a hot seat. Um, <laughs> and you know, it's just been a long and winding road to hear. Um, I also endured a really dramatic um, 
divorce and life upheaval about 18 years ago. And I am the mother of one child who was only a toddler at the time that this all fell apart. Um, he's now graduating college in three weeks. Um, and it, you know, at the time, uh, this was, I didn't have a lot of resources. You know, we didn't really, we weren't really on social media. We didn't have the same kind of platforms and podcasts and books and go-tos. And so I, I really learned the hard way. And as they say, you begin to teach what you need most to learn. And um, luckily for Bill and I, we found our way to each other um, 17 years ago. Um, and we've been together since, you know, just kind of like going through our own personal healing, um, really discovering what true love is. And I always say, uh, Bill was someone who saw me, he didn't save me. And um, I think that's a really important distinction, especially for women, um, because we're always, you know, when you're when you're in that complete upheaval. I mean, I literally lost everything. I lost my marriage, my house, my money. I mean, it was like I had to move home to live with my parents at age 40 with a with a toddler. Um, so there was a lot of rebuilding that had to take place. And that was just really the beginning of an incredible life journey um, where I just learned volumes and volumes. It just made me a curious human being. I kind of, I kind of say like the beginning part of my life, I was sort of sleepwalking. You know, I just really uh, didn't have navigational tools and skills. And so part of this incredible chapter that I've had with Bill of now being together 17 years, um, navigating our blended family and, you know, our own personal healing, our own rebuilding, also, you know, then seeing the impacts that it's had on our four collective children. Um, that's really been a lot of the impetus for how we ended up in this long and winding, crazy road to here. Uh, can you, can of, you tell uh, us a story of how you guys met? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, it's funny because we probably had uh, Bill's um, background. Is He's a, a commercial photographer. He's had a, he's a lifetime award-winning commercial photographer, advertising photographer. And so we, and I was a fashion model for 15 years. We, we definitely at that, that chapter in our lives crossed paths, but didn't know each other, which is very interesting because we know so many of the same people and have been in so many of the same places, um, did not know each other in that chapter of our lives. But while I was still living in Manhattan and he was in Boston, he was uh, working with a stylist, that a fashion stylist that he worked with all the time. This is right when my life had fallen apart. She had said to me, hey, do you want to be an assistant? Do you want to help me out, make a little extra money on the side and you can help me on these photo shoots? And I thought, I thought that chapter was closed and I thought, okay, I'll do this, you know, but I'll just like hide in the, I'll hide in the background and steam clothes and, you know, um, and the rest is history. We sort of, I didn't, you know, didn't know at the time that Bill was going through a divorce. He didn't know what was going on in my life. Neither of us were looking for love and like, boom, you know, things happen, you know? And I think that's sort of like divine, divine timing. Um, and probably, I guess it was probably, I don't know, six months, how long after we first met Bill, six months, nine months before we. Something like that. <clears throat> yeah. went on our, went on our, our first our kind of mutual date. friend arranged yeah. this date, if you will. Um, that was kind of the first and last date for each of us. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> it well, uh, you know, that, again, it's, you know, 
I think it's, uh, I had so much going on in the background of my life that the looking for love, I thought that had passed. I was like, okay, I'm done. That's, you know, uh, I'm, I'm terrible at relationships. That ship has passed. Um, and there you go. How did you know that this was your person? Well, obviously you, you kind of grow into that. I don't think mm-hmm. we knew initially, but we knew initially that this felt very, very different from anything that we had come through in the past few decades of our life, right? Um, so we knew that. So that was enough to pique curiosity. And what it really boiled down to is that we're both very broken at that point. Mm. And part of our conversation, as we'll get into later, and how we serve people is to um, learn to see our role in the mess that we have in front of us and pull out of victimhood, which is an easy place to hide when you're going through divorce. Um, And both of us were at a point in our life where we were ready to put a lid on the past and start seeing our, our future differently. So we both started this journey of um, kind of discovery and a thirst to do it differently, a thirst to learn, a thirst to grow, a thirst to see life in, you know, through a new lens. And so we you know, fed off of each other's desire to grow that way. That actually is how we ended up starting Best Self Magazine, which is now about seven years old at this point. Uh, which is all about holistic health and conscious living. Um, and through that magazine, you know, we ended up creating it because we're so passionate about this, this realm of, of personal growth. Uh, but in, in hindsight, we created it because we needed to learn everything that we curate and write about and, you know, interview on in that magazine. So how long were you guys uh, married previously before? 21 years for me. 21 years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Long time. Yeah. That was a long time. Mm-hmm. And, and you, Kristen? Um, I, I think it was eight years, seven, eight years. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to add something to that though. You know, there's that cliche it kind of bothers me. It's like, you complete me. Um, <laughs> we hate that. I, we hate that. I know, I, you know, I, I think you get to a certain stage. I mean, I really did believe it was really fun, you know, funny, not funny, but I mean, I was only like 39 and thought like everything was over. You know, I thought like, wow, life was just, you know, runaway train. And it kind of was, um, at that point, um, so I w- really was not looking for love. I did fall in love. I, I unexpectedly fell in love with Bill very quickly, very hard. And I knew right away, but also it took me a little bit of time to trust it, to trust myself. And again, it's not about being saved. It's not about another person coming in and like fixing all your problems. Cause that that's seductive as you know, that's definitely seductive. Um, but I think it was really experiencing for lack of a better way of saying it, just a mature love that we really, uh, it was for the first time I felt like there was someone that I could just sit down next to and we could hold hands. Some days we're going to be up and some days we're going to be down. You know, um, he wasn't trying to fix me. I wasn't trying to fix him, but we were saying we're here for each other and you can do it. And I know what, I know what you're capable of. That's a very different mm-hmm. way to look at, creating a sustainable relationship. 
and to, and to really creating a sustainable love and for, and, and to see the best in someone want to nurture it and want to do nice things for them. Like I always, this is like a funny little, little thing, but I still laugh at this. Um, I always call Bill my gas fairy because every single time I go into my car, the gas uh, register is always on full. Like I never, never have to even think about filling up my gas tank. It's just a little something that he does because he's thinking of me. And he's like, oh, let me just, you know, run when I'm out getting groceries or I'm out going to the gym. I'm just going to fill up. I'm going to top off the tank. It's like these little things that we do, not because this is your job. This is your job. You have to do this. You have to do it's because like, oh, it's just a, it's a, it's a, a very sweet little thing that I don't have to point out and I don't have to get a lot of credit for. But like when someone does that kind of thing for you, when someone's just like doing little things to make your life sweeter, nicer, you know, it guess what has trickle down. You want to do the same thing, you know, I mean, it's Mm-hmm. Care and consideration for your partner. Exactly. Exactly. How much? How much time in a week do you guys spend, like face to face time, no screens, having fun, doing new things, not work or logistics? Well, that's an interesting question because <laughs> we live together, we work together, we're together a lot, and we still feel like it's not enough time, which is. I know that doesn't work for a lot of couples and that's cool. Um, I get that, but it does for us. Uh, work and our work and our personal life. Um, it's one flow. So it's, it's not that we're always talking about work and when we're working, we're not always talking about not work, but it's hard to separate the two. I mean, we do, you know, maybe we'll take a, a trip or maybe we'll take, you know, like we go camping every year up in Maine in the summer. I've been doing it for 16 plus years. And it's a very, um, you know, it's a wonderful getaway, right? But it doesn't mean we don't talk about work. Sometimes that's where your mind is the most free to dream and come up with new ideas and a new vision for things. So um, I, I don't I'm have jump a in. good answer for you. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Well, I, I also think um, because the work that we're doing now, we ended up creating this world. We, cre- we, we recreated, like we both came from very broken places where we had to recreate everything. And this, the work that we're doing now is like, we always say it's our baby. This is our creative baby. Mm-hmm. We didn't have like a physical child together, but we had, this is our creative baby. So we're constantly being really um, inspired by things. We live in the, we live in the mountains. So when we need to, we just go take a walk. We walk our dog in the woods. We like go out in the backyard. We lay in the grass, whatever it is. Um, we're really nature oriented. So we'll go, you know, do stuff outside, but we are, I wouldn't say we're workaholics because we don't actually consider what we're doing. Um, I mean, it's not like this every day, but it's like, we don't consider it work. We're really excited. Like we get up in the morning. We're like, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to write this. We're going to get that. But, you know, um, we're doing this podcast. Um, so we're at this stage where like we're empty nesters and, you know, really excited about what we've been able to create and what we've built after, you know, many years of kind of attending to, um, others agendas, others needs or putting out fires, you know, so we can definitely relate to that. Right? <laughs> we've been empty nesters for six years and, 
you know, we are, we, we, live, now, in the mountains. we live in the mountains, <laughs> Colorado, and we could just yeah. go out on, on our backyard and just take in nature. And it, it is a wonderful place to be. And, you know, I think that it is absolutely necessary for couples to spend a lot mm-hmm. of time together in order to build that, that really deep connection, mm-hmm. you know, and we without have all the distraction. without all the distraction mm-hmm. and we've right. seen, you know, we take at least a week and go in the back country and live out there, mm-hmm. you know, every That's year. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And especially well, nature, work, nature you know. is unbelievable. I mean, you know, honestly, I moved um, out of New York city and I'd been in pretty much in cities my whole life. And I was really disconnected. I was really not connected to nature not understanding the power, the healing power of nature. Um, I was disconnected from my body. I was, you know, I was a model and I was thin and that's just the way things were. And I didn't really have to worry about it, but it was like that thin has not nothing to do with health, you know, and I really wasn't a grounded, healthy, centered person. And I, I feel really blessed that we ended up here in Woodstock. Um, and I think so many things were birthed here, you know, and, and really understanding mind, body, spirit connection. So it's kind of no surprise. We ended up now we've kind of come full circle because you know, I, I always say I'm, I'm a professional uh, phoenix rising from the ashes. And, um, and you know, I really had to go through that. I think I really had to go through that and heal and begin to understand this so that I could do the work that I'm doing now because I really want people to understand that they have the power to choose. They have the power to choose how they experience life. We don't get to choose everything that happens to us, right? I mean, there are extenuating circumstances and we get hit with things, but we do get to choose how we experience it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've had people challenge me on that and say, well, you know, that's easy to say, but when you're in the middle of blah, 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 and a divorce and, you know, it's so highly charged and, uh, you know, I can't do blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you can, you actually you can, you can choose in that moment to decide how I want to experience this. It doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that you're not going to go through pain. You're going to get to the other side of your divorce. You're going to get to the other side of your health crisis. You're going to get to the other side of whatever um, situation you're in. But the question is what condition you're going to be in when you get there Mm -hmm. and what price are you going to pay for that? Because, you know, going back to like, thank God, I know, I know when I need to go for a walk. Like I know when I'm like coming undone, getting really frustrated, sitting at my desk and like, okay, I'm, I'm taking the dog. We're going for a walk. We're going to climb a mountain. Um, so I feel really grateful to have, you know, earned these tools the hard way. Um, but I really do. I get really excited by showing people that there are so much, there's so many more choices available to them than they realize. Like life doesn't have to happen to you, you know, are those some of the things that the two of you learned going through your own divorces at the time? It, it certainly is something we've learned since going through our divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it wasn't what well, we weren't, we weren't very, you know, some of that was inelegant, you know, while we were going through the process, but I mean, hindsight, baby hindsight. <laughs> How is it different dating in your forties versus in your twenties? I didn't think it was possible. I mean, this is again, part of the irony of divorce. Half of the marriages end in divorce. Yet when you are going through it, you feel like you're the only one that's ever gone through divorce. Mm -hmm. You're in this cave. 
And for me anyway, that cave, part of that cave, that dark, dark cave was that there was never going to be a future relationship. There was never going to be love. I was, I was way too old to date, way too old to be of interest to anybody. Old that, man at 40, so, right? Well, that's how it felt. <laughs> I know. That's the whole thing. That's how it felt. Um, truly, I've had more fun in the last 20 years, the last 10 years, the last five years than I have, you know, in my life. It's, it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we feel, we, we, we always left because, well, obviously we think we, we think of ourselves as much younger, you know, but we are healthier. Um, we are more conscious. We are happier. I mean, I used to, you know, when I was younger, I was like, I'd get hysterical about everything. You know, everything was a big deal. Everything was a drama. Um, and I just didn't really understand that I didn't have to experience life like that. Yeah. That, that's a big part of it. It's almost like, you know, we, as you, we had children, young children at that point, and we've seen them kind of become teenagers and all their drama and all that. And it's like, oh my God, we don't have to do that anymore. Thank goodness. <laughs> Did you guys, are you guys the ones that chose to end your marriages or did, did you get left? I ended my marriage, but you would have ended my marriage too. <laughs> there were a lot of extenuating circumstances. Um, yeah. There are, yeah. It, it really depends on what you consider, you know, causing an end to, mm -hmm. to a marriage. Um, we both had some pretty dramatic events that were slapped us in the face. Um, that was like, whoa. But um, I would have ended my marriage eventually. It's just that, the events that happened precipitated it more quickly, which in hindsight is a good thing because I was really dragging my feet, getting out of a relationship I shouldn't have been in in the first place uh, and wasn't serving me certainly anymore. Um, so that, that is a good question. And yeah, the reason the I ask it is because what we found is the person who I think goes through the most pain of the divorce transforms the greatest and, and finds themselves yeah. in happiness. And the mm -hmm. other person thinks, well, it was them. And I, if I get someone else, I'm the one who's fine. And they don't transform at all. That's mm -hmm. kind of what we've noticed. I don't mm -hmm. know if you guys Jean, that's that. very, that's yeah, very really good, good point. Very good observation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. And whether it's divorce or not, um, you know, it's when the universe kicks you in the ass. <laughs> and like Kristen said, we all get kicked in the ass one way or the other mm -hmm. different times. Uh, but what do you do with it? Mm -hmm. You can choose to just go, that sucked and pick yourself up and just go on and get kicked in the ass again. Um, and the universe will keep, you know, clobbering you over the head until you kind of learn that lesson. And then it'll find another one to pick on you about. But if you don't, you know, if you can choose to say, Whoa, what just happened? What was my role in it? How can I see things differently so I don't make that mistake again? How can I learn from this? How did that serve me? Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's a really a beautiful life. Really important point that you just brought up there. And so, you know, what can I learn from this? And too often people get stuck in the why, why me? Why is this happening 100%. in my life versus, okay, it's happening and I don't have any control over it. It's a choice that's made that was not mine. But then what are you going to learn from it? Mm-hmm. Right. And how are you going to make that happen?
And now let's take a little break to tell you a little bit more about our home study course called Relationship 101. One of our passions is really to bring this work to everybody. And a lot of times what we hear is one person in the relationship is wanting to work on it, the other one is not. And so this is a great way for you guys to get a taste of what it is like to work on your relationship in a fun eight date night video series to learn what you need to learn. Yeah, Relationship 101 consists of eight video modules, typically about 30 to 40 minutes long, with some discussion questions and exercises for couples to do together at the end. This is kind of a culmination of our work over 20 years and synthesizing all of the skills and tools necessary to create an amazing relationship. This online course consists of eight modules, which is five plus hours of course content. It also includes bonus resources, all designed to learn and grow together as a couple. It's fun, it's insightful, and gives you a great excuse to spend some extra quality time with your partner. All of this course content is valued at over $850. Currently now, it is priced at $387. And if you just go to go.couplesynergymethod.com slash relationship 101, it'll take you directly to the link. That's go.couplesynergymethod.com slash relationship 101. And if you're a single person, you can still benefit from it. You know, change is difficult. We always say like, oh, I'm open to change unless it's my change, <laughs> unless I have to change and have to do something differently. You know, change is hard. It's uncomfortable. It's the unknown, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, I, I always say that, you know, we're the, the buzzwords now, we're all talking about, you know, conscious uncoupling, but we're not looking at the unconscious coupling that took place. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that that's a really important thing to look at, you know, I wish people didn't get married so young. Um, that doesn't mean these marriages can't work, but it's really about knowing yourself really, because you can't really blame anything on anybody else. Right. It's like, but we're not taught a lot. We grew up in a different generation. People didn't really give us operating instructions. As you said, you know, we weren't, we weren't really taught how to be um, in conscious relationships and, and you know, there's a lot of self-discovery and a lot of self-reflection that has to take place and a lot of completing yourself before you're, you know, entering into, into a marriage. Um, I would like to have believed, you know, I didn't, I, don't, I mean, I don't think anybody walks down the aisle thinking they're going to get divorced mm-hmm. or that that's a, oh, that's a way out. I mean, who, who wants to get divorced? Nobody wants to get divorced. Um, but lots of people end up there. Uh, but it is an opportunity. It's really an opportunity to, to figure out like, how did I get there? How did I land there? What did I, you know, as Bill said, what role did I play? What warning signs did I ignore? What did I pretend didn't bother me that I didn't see? You know, there's so much that, that goes with that. It's not just about finger pointing. There's, Mm -hmm. there's always like the catalyst, right? The straw that breaks the camel's back, but there's, 10 million other little things that happened in between, right? It's very rarely one thing that's just like, okay, marriage is over. Yeah. Yeah. We call it a brutal transformation. Yeah. Brutal yeah, transformation. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. And we all know what fertilizer is made of. 
Exactly. But, you know, in all the work that we do, we always say that, you know, every marriage ends. We just don't know how or when, even if a couple's together 50 years, at some point, someone's leaving. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so by death, I should, I should clarify. Right? <laughs> yeah. So you I know, got that. I got that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so if, if the goal isn't to stay together forever, then what's the goal of a marriage? What's the goal of a committed partnership? And that is, you know, to learn as much as you can about yourself and about this deep connection, the deepest connection you can have with another human being. Mm-hmm. You know, you were talking about, um, you know, people, you wish they didn't get married so young. And it's really amazing to be at this stage of life that we're all at and our brains continue to develop. And there are ways that you think post 45 that you can't possibly think like that in your thirties. You just can't. And it's really amazing to, you you know, you said I was asleep and I think that's kind of how it is. And unfortunately I think the um, up and coming generations are even more asleep. They're even more controlled, less creative, less nature, less, more screens. So it's Mm going to be interesting in the next Mm -hmm. 10 years to see how that plays out because a lot of them aren't even getting married. I don't, I don't think our children, (laughs) I don't think any of our children are that excited about getting married. Not that they have anything against the institution of marriage. Um, um, My, my son is actually in a, in a relationship. He's, you know, he's only in college. He's been in a relationship for three years, a very committed relationship. And, but you know, they, he, he doesn't know who he is right now. He hasn't even graduated college yet. He hasn't even, you know, he hasn't even come out into the world and, and, you know, they've got like a whole, a whole bunch of chapters ahead of them. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's really, really about becoming a solid person, a solid you first, like know who you are, know, know how not to deny yourself of who you truly are, because that's another thing we, it's not that of course a marriage is any relationship is about a certain level of compromise and fitting together and working together. Right. But it's not about hiding parts of yourself or squishing yourself into places you don't fit or pretending to be something that you're not. And I think that's, you know, where we just get so caught up. Um, and then you do that. And then it's, it's, it's like that, that snowball effect, you know, you just keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. And then it's like, boom, something, something has to give, you know, it's just like the combustion. I'll also say, like Dr. Ray, you just mentioned, marriages are going to end, um, some sooner, some later. But the fact that a marriage ends doesn't mean it's a failure, doesn't mean it wasn't meant to be, right? Some relationships um, are there, you know, all relationships are actually there for a purpose, right? To teach you something. Friendships with your family, your love partner, whatever it is. Um, And if it lasts a year, five years, 21 years in my case, doesn't mean um, it was supposed to last forever. Um, it doesn't mean that it was a failure because I learned things in that period that I couldn't have learned any other way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I think we stay in relationships as long as we're learning. And when we stop learning, then it unravels. Mm-hmm. You know, that especially to me, if one person grows. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't agree with you more, Jean. Yeah. I'd ex- expand that and say, I think you stay in life as long as you're continuing to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because as soon as you stop learning or stop having a willingness to grow, it's when kind of life 
stops. It doesn't mean you die necessarily, but it, it plateaus. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. you hit a wall. You know, you mentioned children. You know, the leading family structure in the United States is the blended family. And so I was wondering if you guys can talk a little bit about what that experience was like for you and, you know, creating a blended family and how you guys navigated that. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I didn't know that was a leading 60% of kids right don't live with their biolog- both biological parents. Wow. That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that's amazing. Um, it was, well, I'm sure we'll, we'll both weigh in on that for sure. Um, it's a challenge. We were blessed because um, our children all loved each other. Our, my three children really took to her son and her son, a lonely child, really took to having brothers and sisters. And that carried us through because if they didn't really connect and want to be with each other, mm-hmm. I'm not sure we it would have pulled, you know, that pulled mm-hmm. us through some tough mm-hmm. times with yeah. us. Yeah, I was going to say that was actually a game changer because there's so pretty much everything was working against Bill and I. We were in two different cities. He was outside of Boston. I was in New York City. Um, He was in a contentious divorce. I had a whole dramatic situation. Um, His children were with their mother. Um, It was complicated. They they were still uh, living with their mother um, in her house. So we were never actually all under full time under the same roof. But you know, if you if you have kids not getting along, um, it's it just it, it probably would have been like the deal breaker. I think that was like the slice of grace uh, that those kids just fell in love with each other. And it was a lot easier. Uh, they were really I have a very good relationship with the kids now, but they were really tough on me. And yeah. but that was because of their mother's directive. Mm and what they were being told. And so we worked really, 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 really hard just taking the high road, taking the high road, taking the high road, taking the high road, um, putting their interests, their best interests, um, at, you know, making that a priority and, and taking that to heart and just kind of kept, you know, really just dealing with like, what, well, what are they dealing with? What, I'm the parent here, what are they dealing with here? And how can we help them navigate this? Um, but if the kids hadn't gotten along, I think it would have been the, the, it would have been the straw. It would have definitely been the straw. Now, now that your kids are older, are they able to see what happened that they were kind of, you know, what's the term they call it? Uh, parental alienation kind of stuff. Yeah. I'll let you answer that bill. Yeah. It's more an issue for me because mm-hmm. I was not the custodial parent. Uh, the answer is, three children, three very different experiences, three very different uh, patterns for how they're dealing with it now. Um, My oldest son, I mean, he's, you know, 28, still a lot of living ahead, but he is kind of stuck in this victimhood of life sucked because my parents got divorced and I blame you both for it. And that's that. So he's got this kind of anger about about it all that is holding him back from moving forward in his life. Um, On the flip side, uh, my next son down, who's 26, um, hurt a lot through the process, was the most um, alienated, if you will. I'll call it emotionally abused. Um, And 
kind of to your point, Gene, because he hurt the most, he was also the most eager to make sense of it. And he's now a yogi uh, and is really on this um, mission of, he's a seeker. He's really trying to make sense of his life and help other people along the way uh, put it all together. He reads tons of books and philosophy about life and relationships and blah, 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 blah. Um, so he's really gra- you know, grappling with it and trying to you know, learn from it and, and move forward. And then I have a daughter who's 23 at this point, and she was very hurt as well. Um, her MO at this point is to just kind of step back and go, that sucked. I'm just going to have a good time. <laughs> you know, doesn't mean she doesn't care. She doesn't have a heart. It's just not, um, she's not on a path to uh, go make sense of it all right now. Mm. Yeah, unfortunately, what? we've seen parents turn their kids against the other parent and it is very sad. I don't know if you guys uh, can speak to what would you say to the parent who is doing that? And what would you say to the parent who is being, you know, alienated? I have to honestly say it's one of the, um, one of the biggest pain points. It's still, it just kind of gets me in my gut. Even when we talk about it. And even when I listen to bill, um, I, I, you know, I witnessed this from the sidelines all these years. Um, and it's hard to see, what the kids are still contending with because you know you cannot tell your kids or anyone else how to feel and it's so important to not embroil your, your children in this mess mm. you know and that's the, I, I understand that's also it's not easy you know because they they see you they're in your house it's a highly charged uh experience that affects everyone but they are not upon they are not a pawn to be, you know, it's not a tug of war going back between parents. You know, you're not, you're not to use them for revenge. You're not to use them. Uh, you're not to use them, period. You really, for, bottom line, a you've pacifier. Got, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you've got to, and you know, they're not your sounding board. Um, we, we focus a great deal on this because also a lot of times, you know, people hear the word divorce and it's like the, the only thing they think about, it's like, you know, the money and the lawyers, and it's like they forget about the self-care and the kids. And they're like, well, I don't have time for that. And I'll get to that later. Well, we're here to tell you that there is no you know, later. It's like we're dealing with children who are 28 years old that are scarred from divorce. And there's no denying that they are scarred from divorce. And they're just they are scarred by what happened in that divorce. We as parents are modeling for our children. We're modeling what is love, what is a relationship, what is caring, what is manipulative? You know, we are, they're, they're, they're taking it on, no matter how, what the age is, they're taking it in. So this, um, I'm really glad you actually brought this up because this is actually a very big part of our program. And we put a lot of, we put a lot of energy onto that. We also try to work with parents in the first hundred days of divorce so that we can set the tone, build a foundation and keep those kids out of this. Now that does not mean that, you just like send them off to like, you know, the Caribbean and that they're not a part of this because they do have to be a part of this process, but it's just, they cannot be embroiled in this emotional chaos because it will impact them. It will damage them and you will be cleaning that up or you will be, you know, watching them suffer. Um, You know, I wrote something called um, divorce vows 
um, that I ask people in our program to go through. It's a really um, kind of a rough process, you know, feels sort of like counterintuitive um, because, you know, let's say most divorces are contentious, right? But what a divorce vow is sitting down and writing what your intentions are for your children. I, I promise not to disparage you. I promise not. I promise to allow them to love you. I promise to whatever. And the reason we like to take people through that is because they get very clear up front what matters, what's important. Um, and then they can remind themselves of that promise even if they can't get the other parent to do it. And, you know, let's say two parents, even in a contentious divorce, if they could just make this promise, not because you love me or not because I love you, but we love these children and we want to protect these children. And we want to show up as our best selves. We want to show up as people that we can like say like, look, we did a pretty good job getting through this. If mom and dad or mom and mom or dad and dad, whatever whatever the the, uh, equation is, if they could make these vows with this, in the middle, this, you know, most precious cargo here. We're doing this because of this. This will change the trajectory of your, your children's experience and your experience, because you can cut, you go back to those vows and you will remind yourself, I promise to do this. I promise to do this. I promise you, you know, it's, it's, um, and it's not always going to be perfect. It's, it's, it's a sounding board. It's but never it's, going to be perfect. That's your yeah. line. And this is a thing what Kristen mentioned the first hundred days and you know, that's a loose starting point of when you start the clock on that. But basically, once you've drawn a line in the sand and you know that separation is imminent or maybe even sort of papers or whatever, you know, it's going that way. These first three months are when it's such an emotionally charged time and you're asked to make such important decisions with long-term consequences. This is where you set your initial separation agreement. It's where you start to uh, get the custody train going. It's where you start to divvy up finances and all this sort of thing. And this is where you have to be grounded and where you have to be uber responsible with how you are impacting your children. Responsible, aware is really the bigger word, Mm. aware of it all. I I really like that because, you know, the most parents or most couples are not really aware of that impact on their kids because they're just so immersed in their own pain. Mm-hmm. And, and they I like that vow. It's like a recommitment, you know, because their relationship is going to continue. It just has to transform into a different relationship. And so mm-hmm. having that recommitment, it, it signifies, you know, this change in our relationship. And now the, the, you know, first and foremost is the kids. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's the motivation. But when you think about it, when you sit, you know, this is the thing. Divorce feels like a house on fire, right? And you've got to run in and you got to just like you're with your fire extinguisher putting out all the fires. The fact of the matter is, is that you need to step back. You don't have to make every decision in that split second. The house is not on fire. I mean, the house is like kindling, right? You know, it's, 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 it's whatever. But the, the fact is you will set the tone. You'll set the tone of not only protecting your children, which is really, they didn't ask for this, right? So it's like, but, but you are setting the tone for yourself. You're setting the tone for the house. You're setting the tone for the family. You're setting, you're setting the tone for your future. It's really, really, that's how important this work is. That's how, you know, and it, it's not, and, you know, people often think like, oh, 
I don't know anything about this self-care world, this wellness world, this woo-woo world. It's, you know, it's, you know, it, it literally is simple as just saying, making a different choice, just turning and saying, oh, I'm going to go right instead of going left. I never looked at it that way before. I'm just going to make a different choice. It's not like, oh my God, I've got to run off to an ashram in India. You know, it's just about making a different choice and saying, you know what? I promise to help my children navigate this to the best of my ability. What do you do if one of the parents is not willing? Do you still work with the other parent? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We don't, we don't, we only work with, I'm sorry, with one parent. Okay. Right. I mean, it's not that we wouldn't work with a couple if they came to us. It just hasn't really happened mm-hmm. yet, right. but it could, okay. and that would be great. Right. And, and oftentimes I always listen, oftentimes things are very contentious, but that doesn't mean you get off the hook. <laughs> it just means your job is a little bit harder, hmm. but you need to be committed to your child. You need to be committed to be the responsible parent. And I will, will say that when you learn these tools and you really kind of step into it and you own it, um, it has trickle down effect. And suddenly when you stand firm in your convictions that I'm not, okay, I'll give you a good example. Two to tango. If I don't put my dancing shoes on, there's no dance, right? right? There's no yeah. dance. So I'm not going out on the dance floor with you. I'm not doing this anymore. We're getting divorced. I'm protecting this kid. You can do what you want to do over here. And I'm sorry that you're doing that. And you're inflicting pain on our child. But I'm not coming out on the dance floor and doing the same thing with you. We're mm-hmm. not doing this together. And I promise you that child is being impacted by that. And this is a choice that you're making. Mm-hmm. But yeah. your good behavior, you know, you're taking the high road can, when you stand firm in your convictions, it does have ripple effect. Mm-hmm. Because you know what? That other parent is coming out to the dance floor and suddenly they're looking around. There's nobody to dance with. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that we've interviewed that are adult children of divorces and they, they know which parent, you know, talked badly about the other one and which one didn't. And it's, Mm -hmm. and that is something they carry with them. And it can be really, it can be incredibly toxic, you know, parents that um, make their children, you know, they're privy to too much, you know, every time the lawyer calls, they can overhear the hysteria on the phone or, you know, oh, you're not getting a, you can't have a bicycle because daddy bought his secretary dinner, you know, something like, you know, just whatever it is. It's it's like these little little emotional outbursts and hits have such, such profound lasting impact. You know, it might be a little little thing that a parent says um, in an unconscious moment, a little outburst but they don't realize the lasting impact that they're making on their children and how yeah. long it will take to clean up. And again, nothing is perfect, right? So you, you, I have made plenty of mistakes. Um, and then what I would do is go in and clean it up. And that's also a really important lesson because when I could sit my son down and say, hey, I want to talk to you about something and I want to apologize to you about how I handled this because that's not the way I want to show up for you or this relationship or myself. Um, and I apologize that I said X, Y, and Z. Um, and I'm going to work really hard not to, to, to keep repeating that behavior or, or, or give your children a voice to say like, how did that make you feel? Ask your children how that made you feel. Cause it's, you know, 
you might not like what they say. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, the, actually, the research shows that it's not the divorce that actually causes dysfunction in kids. It's actually how the exes communicate with each other and what the kids mm-hmm. see. Mm-hmm. Right. And the more contention there is, the more problems, it, because the kids are half of the parents. And so if they mm-hmm. hear one parent disparaging the other, they're disparaging half of them as well. And so it leads to, you know, a lot of you know, mental health issues and truancy and I'm just addiction. Right. Depending on the age. Yeah. We, we, um, you know, we see this all the time and, you know, it's undermining their safety and their security. And again, I go back to it's mirroring and modeling, like what is love? What is, what is a relationship? If this is what they're seeing, what do you think they think a relationship is or how they should behave in a relationship? You know, now there's also lessons to be had in separating, you know, breaking up an unhealthy relationship. And, and you can do that in, in ways that empower children to understand that, you know, sometimes, you know, we're, we're better because we're not, you know, do you remember, how did you feel when we were always fighting? Mm-hmm. You know, how did you feel when you would hear us screaming or how did you feel? You know, um, we have, we have a client that we worked with and she had to navigate the separation, um, you know, and setting up two houses with a four-year-old and explaining that to a four-year-old. And, and it was tough. It was tough. And you have to, you know, bring things down to a, a, a bite size, I would say a bite size palatable version that's age appropriate. Um, and it was a difficult, you know, navigation back and forth, but she's gotten to the point where she just told us that recently, you know, she picked up her son and he just said, he, he understood like, I have two houses and I have two mommies and I have two, you know, and that that can, that can be really a beautiful thing also. And I have a dog here and I have a cat here and he could, and he was, before he got into the car, he was like, bye-bye house. I'll see you in a couple of days. Like, bye-bye. You know, it's like, you can, you can empower your children or you can undermine them. Mm-hmm. Bill, right? would you, would you um, do anything different? Do you think there was anything more you could have done? looking back to connect with your kids and to help them out at all? Lord, of course there were things um, that I would do differently. One thing going, you know, way back again to the early part of divorce is um, I made a lot of concessions to try and uh, make peace with my, my now ex, right? because I didn't want to see the kids suffer anymore. Um, And that was a mistake because it didn't make any difference in the piece. It was just a giveaway, a giveaway that left me less able to fulfill my obligations to my kids. Mm. Right. And then I get the X, the, the compounded anger on top of it. Um, So I would have just stood my ground and, stayed true to what my values and my intuition was telling me at that time. And that's one of the big things uh, that we work with our, our clients on is developing their intuitive voice, listening to their intuition, which sounds very woo-woo when you're in the heat of, of, of divorce, but actually it's really powerful stuff for making grounded decisions and guiding yourself. But um, I will say having made mistakes, of course, 
the decisions I made at the time were made because I thought they were the right thing to do. Right. So I don't know how you beat yourself up over that really. Um, you present. I, I think more is helping someone that's going through it, learn it. Yeah. Okay. Your so yeah. For sure. Somebody like if I now could confront myself 20 years ago, going through this, I would have a whole lot to say to them, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, a whole lot. But the most important thing is to understand that you can actually take control of the divorce process. It does not need to be a runaway train of lawyers and expense and time lost and emotional suffering. It just does not. In my case, we did have this division you're talking about where my ex just didn't play by my rules, didn't see things to, you know, she was trying to undermine everything, which made my job twice as difficult. Mm -hmm. But I did stick to a high road, um, which the kids didn't always understand, but they felt. Mm -hmm. Now they understand that that was really even harder. They've both, you know, they've come out and told me, or at least a couple of them have, that they realized that was actually harder to do than to come out, you know, fighting and swinging. Um, but they didn't necessarily see it at the time. They were like, why do you put up with that shit? Why don't you tell her where to go? You know, da, 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 da. So how could people find you guys? Uh, well, if people are interested in the work that we do, uh, we have a, a landing page website, bestselfintuitivedivorce.com, like be your best self, intuitivedivorce.com, where you can learn about our program. And there's a free webinar, free masterclass, where we really unpack uh, some steps, some shifts that any heart-centered parent can take uh, in the early stages of divorce to really get them going in the right direction. So that's probably the best place um, to learn about what we're doing. Awesome. And we'll definitely put that in the show notes Mm -hmm. for everyone so that they can get a hold of you and learn more about what you guys do. And bless you guys for doing this work. It's tough work. Um, You know what? It's super rewarding work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's tough situations, um, but it's immensely rewarding because people undergo such transformations. In fact, if anybody who's listening here goes to that page, they're going to see an interview with one of our clients um, where she talks about the terror that she felt going into divorce Mm -hmm. and um, how she was able to cross this bridge to life becoming really easy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that it's not messy, but it's like being able to navigate it became easy. Um, and her life is flourishing. She's not even really divorced yet, um, but it's really great to see. So it's really rewarding. It's also, well, thank you guys. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I just wanted to say, it's also really about um, empowering people to make meaning out of the mess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it really doesn't matter how far you've fallen, where you've been, what life looked like. I mean, you really can make another choice. You can make another choice. Um, you can look at it. You can have some self-reflection, some self-awareness and, and thrive. That's it. I mean, really, we all, at the end of the day, we really all want the same thing. You know, Absolutely. peace, ease, health, love, happiness. We want to thrive. We want vibrant lives, but you can't have a vibrant life when you are denying parts of yourself or disconnected. And, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, marriages that start unconsciously end up in divorce. Um, And, but, you know, it is an opportunity. 
Well, Bill and Chris, we want to thank you so much for joining us on Couple Synergy today. And we want to thank all of you listeners for tuning in. Our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. For all of you listening, please let us know how you enjoyed the show. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as Relationship 101, our home study course, the Couples Weekend Intensive, and our premier coaching program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.